Welcome to Coach House Talks. Good morning. So, have you ever been hoodwinked, duped, conned, misled, led to believe one thing only to find it isn't true? The phrase, if it looks too good to be true, it must be, is a warning for us not to be drawn into deals, offers, opportunities that promise much for a little, a greater return for a minimal output. But sometimes what's on offer is so enticing. So if this is you, when did you realise you'd been led astray? Probably after some damage had been done. You can see a lot in hindsight. And what was the result? Well, another proverb says, once bitten, twice shy. We're more cautious when in a similar situation again, or we should be. If we've had a bad experience, then we should learn from it. We shouldn't go blindly forward expecting never to be caught out again. And according to Einstein, the definition of stupidity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. So keep this in mind while we look at the letter in 2 Peter. As we consider this, why Peter is so adamant in warning us? We want to make sure we take note and can spot the danger signs. Don't ignore the warnings. Now, being an eyewitness and having direct experience of Jesus and of God's voice meant that Peter had confidence in the message of the prophets as they delivered their message from a holy God. The prophets of old had promised a Messiah and Peter had met him as a person and as a deity. And the words of the prophets, therefore, could be trusted. So that makes sense. But then comes the big one. The warning as 2 Peter 2 begins. But there were also false prophets in Israel, just as there will be false teachers among you. They will cleverly teach destructive heresies and even deny the master who bought them. In this way, they will bring sudden destruction on themselves. Many will follow their evil teaching and shameful immorality. And because of these teachers, the way of truth will be slandered. In their greed, they will make up clever lies to get hold of your money. But God condemned them long ago, and their destruction will not be delayed. So strong words there. So if we look back at the history of Israel, we should see what went wrong. The danger signs. What are the traits of the false prophets? What did they do and say, and how did they act? Then, Peter says, we will have the knowledge to identify false teachers that are within the church. The onus on us is to be aware and ensure our faith is strong. Their fate, the false prophets, is determined by God. So, who were the false prophets in Israel? Well, firstly, there's reference to the shepherds of the people, the leaders those who should lead, guide, and guard. In Jeremiah chapter 23, it says, Woe to the shepherds who are destroying and scattering the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Now, in contrast, Jesus is the good shepherd. And what a contrast. If you think of Psalm 23, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. It talks of providing rest, supplying our needs, showing justice and mercy and bringing us ultimately into the presence of God forever in safety. Yet the false prophet brings 
chaos, division and turmoil. John chapter 10 contrasts good and bad shepherds. The good shepherd protects and even sacrifices himself for the sheep in his care. In contrast, the bad shepherd abandons them at the first sign of trouble. So John 10 verse 11 begins, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him and he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. The hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. So going back to Jeremiah chapter 23, God continues with his message to Jeremiah and says, I myself will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I've driven them and will bring them back to their pasture where they will be fruitful in increasing number. I will place shepherds over them who will tend them and they will no longer be afraid or terrified nor will any be missing, declares the Lord. And we also know that Peter was also told by Jesus directly to feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. He was to be a shepherd that provided spiritual care for the church. In Matthew chapter 7, this imagery of false prophets is taken further to include being disguised as harmless sheep, sheep mixing with sheep. Those spreading clever lies, and here I think it means subtle, underhand, insidious, working from the inside. Now I don't know about you, but one sheep looks very much like the rest to me. So it takes some studying of the details to differentiate one from another. So it is with false teachers. At first, there may not be much of a difference, but look in detail and the differences will soon become apparent. Matthew 7.15 says, Beware of false prophets who come disguised as harmless sheep, but are really vicious wolves. So who else were the false prophets in Israel? Those who don't protect Israel, but create an illusion, a false vision, who invent their own prophecies. Ezekiel chapter 13 says, This is what the Sovereign Lord says. Woe to the foolish prophets who follow their own spirit and have have seen nothing. Your prophets, Israel, are like jackals among ruins. You have not gone up to the breaches in the wall to repair it for the people of Israel, so that it will stand firm in the battle on the day of the Lord. Their visions are false, and their divinations are lie. Even though the Lord has not sent them, they say, the Lord declares, and expect them to fulfil their words. Now the false prophets are compared to jackals who can breach the gaps in the walls to prey on the small creatures hidden within. The walls should be strong and able to protect, but they're flimsy, poorly maintained to the point of being whitewashed to cover up the cracks. Surely those put in charge of caring are also protecting the people. It's no good just looking the part. You must stand up to scrutiny and be able to deliver your responsibilities effectively. 
Now, often, if we look at a contrast, we can make sense of this warning. So consider the prophet Nehemiah, who worked hard and got stuck in, getting his hands dirty to rebuild the city walls of Jerusalem, enduring ridicule and opposition. Remember Tobiah shouting insults at Nehemiah while he was hard at work? That stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. Yet 52 days later, the wall was built completely, strong and secure. God says that the false prophets create false structures. And further on in Ezekiel 13, it says, When the wall collapses, will people not ask you, where's the whitewash you covered it with? And in the New Testament, Jesus warned that the Pharisees were like whitewashed, crumbling walls. Looks good on the outside, but unsound below the surface. In Matthew 23, 25, it says these really strong words. What sorrow awaits you, teachers of religious law and you Pharisees, hypocrites? For you're so careful to clean the outside of the cup and the dish, but inside you're filthy, full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first wash the inside of the cup and the dish, and then the outside will become clean too. Another character trait of the false prophets in Israel is that false prophets say what you want to hear. Now, you must have heard the story of the emperor's new clothes. The emperor is so full of his own worth, his own image, that he listens to flattery and is hoodwinked into believing something that's not true. He's led to believe that merchants have created a cloth so amazing and so unique that it's only fit for him. And although it appears invisible, the con men convince him that it just feels invisible. They throw superlatives at him and he's won over by the clever talk into walking naked through the streets of his provinces, much to the amusement of his onlookers. Like the false prophets of old, he had created a false vision. The story told to the emperor sounded convincing but had no substance. Now if you look at 1 Kings chapter 22... King Ahab of Israel and King Jehoshaphat of Judah wanted to know if they should go to battle together against Ramoth-Gilead. King Ahab's prophets claimed he would surely be victorious. A messenger was sent to fetch another prophet, to make doubly sure, I think. Micaiah was called for and was told in no uncertain terms, look, all the prophets are promising victory for the king be sure that you agree with them and promise success. However, Micaiah's response is only to pass on the words from the Lord. And in verse 17 it says, Then Micaiah told him, King Ahab, In a vision I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains like sheep without a shepherd. And the Lord said, Their master has been killed. Send them home in peace. And Ahab's response to the truth, he says, didn't I tell you he never prophesies anything but trouble for me? Ahab didn't want to know the truth. He just wanted to feel good about his actions. When God spoke to Ezekiel, he warned, these evil prophets deceive my people by saying, all's peaceful 
when there's no peace at all. And a superficial peace is no good to anyone. Another sign of a false prophet in Israel, and therefore a false teacher in the, in the church, is that the prediction must come true. When God spoke to Moses and the Israelites in the wilderness, and in, and in Deuteronomy it says this, but any prophet who falsely claims to speak in my name or who speaks in the name of another God must die. But you may wonder, how will we know whether or not a prophecy is from the Lord? If the prophet speaks in the Lord's name, but his prediction does not happen or come true, you will know that the Lord did not give that message. That prophet has spoken without my authority and need not be feared. King Zedekiah of Judah is spoken to by the prophet Hananiah. It's a time when captives are still in Babylon and the treasures belonging to the temple have been taken by King Nebuchadnezzar. Hananiah is prophesying about all the great things that are about to happen. Peace, breaking the power of Babylon, restoring the treasures in the temple. There's no doubt that God can deliver, restore, do the seemingly impossible, but in his time, according to his plan, not ours. And in Jeremiah 28, it says, Jeremiah responded to Hananiah as they stood in front of all the priests and people at the temple. He said, Amen, may your prophecies come true. I hope the Lord does everything you say. I hope he does bring back from Babylon the treasures of the temple and all the captives. But listen now to the solemn words I speak to you in the presence of all these people. The ancient prophets who preceded you and me spoke against many nations, always warning of war, disaster and disease. So a prophet who predicts peace must show he is right. Only when his predictions come true can we know that he is really from the Lord? An important point to remember is that the words of prophecy must line up with the words of Jesus. In Isaiah 8, it says, Someone may say to you, Let's ask the mediums and those who consult the spirits of the dead. With their whisperings and mutterings, they will tell us what to do. But shouldn't people ask God for guidance? Should the living seek guidance from the dead? And this is the key bit. Look to God's instructions and teachings. People who contradict his words are completely in the dark. And in 1 Timothy 4 it says, Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. And in Jude 1 it says, Some ungodly people have wormed their way into your churches, saying that God's marvellous grace allows us to live immoral lives. The condemnation of such people was recorded long ago, for they have denied our only Master and Lord, Jesus Christ. And in Deuteronomy it warns, So be careful to obey all the commands I give you. You must not add anything to them, or subtract anything from them. So in all of this, Peter is telling us to take care, be vigilant, 
be aware of false teachers. But to end on a positive note, those speaking God's words, teaching the church, directing and encouraging the believers, should first lead, guide and guard the church, the body of believers, and act like the good shepherd. They should speak the truth, however difficult it may be at times. Their prophecies must come true, even if you have to wait for a while for it to happen. Their words must line up with God's words in the Bible and not build up false ideas. As Christians, we need to be able to recognise false teachers in order to know when we're not being led down a path that God did not intend. And this letter in 2 Peter encourages us to grow in faith, to work hard, to keep moral excellence, to have self-control, develop patience and grow in godliness. And why? Then God will give you a grand entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram and at www.coachhousechurch.org.